The season has ended for men's and women's basketball. Just in regular season. Don't give anybody a little false sense of security here. There will be a Southern Conference tournament. We will tell you what their seeds are if you don't know. But other than that, we're just going to recap both these contests. We're going to do a big blowout SOCON tournament preview show. Can we call it a big blowout? Mike Gallagher, by the way, sidekick. I think we can call it that. It seems safe enough. Just safe enough for this show. And you know how we love our one-topic, like, hour-and-a-half-long show. So it's going to be an extravagance. Okay. It will be uh, all the SOCON tournament stuff that you can handle on Wednesday. Including a bold prediction segment in which we pick the entire bracket. But you have to have two upsets or more. Much okay. like we did last year. Two, oh, I like that. You beat me in that one. I think that was actually what put you over the top of bold predictions last season. That's so what I like. That's what I like important. when you utter the words, me winning. Um, I didn't utter those words. Oh, uh, you should have. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, uh, football's on the road at Wofford. Baseball, soccer, tennis, volleyball. Anything else going on that we know about? I'm Softball. Sure Don't forget something. Yeah, right. Both soccer's and both ten, tennises. Sports, yeah, yeah, golf. Field, golf, tennis. Something. Okay. All right. Do we add like swimming yet? I'm sure that's probably happening. If we did, I might have missed it. I mean, lacrosse has probably got a shot at some point. Yeah, uh, no more teams are adding that. So women's wrestling is now a thing around the NCAA. Mm. So I, I think that that's probably the next sport. A triathlon? Are they in oh, yeah, season? Triathlon. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah track and field just track and field wrapped it. What I like is that they wrap up an indoor season to immediately start the outdoor season. We so they go from cross country to like a week later indoor to like a week later outdoor. It's I like the never ending. Yeah. Yeah, it hurts. Okay. All right, men's basketball, ETSU wrapped up the regular season. It was a game in which the Bucks hadn't played in 10 days, although I didn't feel like uh, it, it felt that way. It seemed like they came out, they were, especially early. They were teams that were shooting the basketball well. Then it got a little bit of a lull and a back and forth. But both, both teams early were able to score the basketball. Then they struggled, uh, I think, to score. And then the second half, the scoring picked back up. And then one of the more – Maybe interesting endings, entertaining. I don't know. I guess it was entertaining. I mean, Bucks didn't win. I don't know if you can call it entertaining if, if your team doesn't win. But it was an interesting last, like, 30 seconds just in general in regulation. The back and forth, the get fouled, only get one or two free throws to tie it, then force a turnover, then get a last-second heave. It banks, rolls, doesn't go. Uh, and then you got to try to recover. And then ETSU hits the first three. And then uh, a bank shot does go down, right? Tell two bank shots. Doesn't go down for Ladarius Brewer. Does go down for Isaiah Miller, who laughed about it as it went in. You could see, and I watched replay, where he kind of chuckles at Brewer and just kind of like, I, I don't know. Like, you know I don't want to say the Jordan shrug, but it was sort of similar to that. And then the next two, three possessions, two, uh, well, four possessions, two for ETSU, two for UNCG, separate the game. ETSU has two or three chances, second chance. Don't get it. UNCG, it's a three. Bucks have two or three chances as a second chance. Don't get it. Greensboro gets a layup, and then pretty much from there, you could feel the energy out of the building. The Jordan shrug, you said. Isaiah Miller may not have done that to a T, but he certainly had a Jordan-type day, didn't he? I mean, 32 points, seven rebounds, seven assists, and four steals. That, it, it was interesting. We'll talk women's basketball a bit later, too. Shannon Titus had a huge defensive day for Mercer that ultimately swung things to the Bears' way over ETSU, and Isaiah Miller did what he does. And those are two player of the year contenders. Titus is preseason player of the year on the women's side. Miller preseason player of the year on the men's side. And both of them absolutely proved their worth. It was, I think, a pretty good summation of the day from Bruce Trambarger on our ESPN Plus broadcast. One team had Isaiah Miller today and the other didn't. <laughs> I think that that is about what you can say about this game. I, I thought, and you and me haven't really talked about the game at all. You know, I had to run over to men's soccer. Of course, I thought it was hilarious, by the way, that the one overtime game for ETSU men's basketball this year comes on a day that, Triple header of broadcasting well, and the big, one of the busiest days of the year. And it looked like women's basketball is going to go overtime oh, yeah. too. I thought you were going to get the the double 
uh, in two different games over time before another one. And, and it probably got over time again, right? Game and sure. Then soccer, yeah. A goal is draw 110 minutes. So I, I certainly uh, found some cruel irony in, in how that all went. But I just thought a really high-level game. I mean, it was back and forth, tough to find any separation between the teams. Look at the stat sheet. And, again, aside from Miller's phenomenal individual performance, you really had to dig deep to find a place that one team was really outdoing the other. And now I think over time, you know, change things a little bit for the Bucks when they only score five points and that shooting percentage dips to 39 and ended up going – 7 to 25 from 3, but you know, free throw is very close. Uh, really only 33% for UNCG from 3, 9 to 27, which for them is actually a, a pretty decent day. Uh, they just do not generally shoot the ball well. I thought, and if you would have told me coming into the, the day that Angelo Allegri goes 1 for 9 and 0 for 6 from deep, and Muhammad Abdul-Salam 1 of 5 with 2 points, both of them scored just 2, and um, you look down the stat sheet, and there's others that you expect to perform that just don't Keyshawn Langley, 3 of 10. You know, we talked about it on Friday. Me and Bruce talked about it on our broadcast. That you need to have somebody else. And oftentimes you need somebody aside from that. You need Isaiah Miller plus two other people. And UNCG almost untouchable in those scenarios where they have three double-digit scores. Now, as it turned out, even without Allegri, Abdul Salam, and Keyshawn Langley having good days, he had four get to double figures. Again, some of that aided by overtime, but I would have said the Bucks had a really good chance to win the game, and they did. You know, that Isaiah, or that Ladarius Brewer three was, gosh, you know, inches from going in, but um, you broke it down in an interesting way. You know, the offensive struggles, ups and downs, but I think this game just underscores, and we're not going to talk about the tournament a whole lot because of that big show that we have coming on Wednesday, but I thought this just showed that this is going to be a Southern Conference tournament where anything can happen, and despite the struggles of ETSU late, losing six of their last eight, that this could unfold the way that the 2017-18 year did. You remember it was four of the last five that ETSU lost in the regular season. Then they went on to play UNCG in the Southern Conference title game. Yes, did not win as Asante Bradford had an off day, but still made that run. And if Bradford would have played even up to his average, you would have had a very close contest. So I know it's a loss. But while we sit here this morning, I think I'm more encouraged than I have been over the last couple of weeks about ETSU's chances to go and do some positive things in the SoCon tournament. Yeah, you look at it, and they're one and six in six-point or less games. Correct. And and that doesn't even include the overtime UNCG because it was over six. But there's, you know, so you, you look at that contest. That doesn't include really the Citadel, in which a couple, four or five free throws late extended that game more than really what the score should have been as well. It doesn't make anybody feel any better because that's one and eight, right? <laughs> so, but still, you could look at that and go, you know, I hate to quote Murray Bar too, but I will here. And and he said this to me a few years, uh, I guess it's a few years removed from the back-to-back tournaments. And I asked him what the biggest difference was, and he said, well, he said in great years, you know, you look at games, a couple possessions or less, and you're seven and zero. Oh. You look at bad years, and you're zero oh and seven. And if you're, you know, if you got eight of them and you're four and four, you're probably around 500. He said, but that's pretty much what it comes down to. And that is one of the few quotes that have stuck with me over time because I think as you look at it, and it seems to be more prevalent in basketball than other sports, or, or maybe not because let's look at ETSU football, prime Absolutely. example, right? 2018, they win every tight game. 2019, they don't. Look at the record. So it seems to me that he, he's on it there. And in this case, it's absolutely the thing. Yes, they're not that far away. I would also ask, before the season started, what were your legitimate goals for the team and what you thought the record would be? Because me, you, Kevin Brown, we got together. We have to go over exactly everything. Numbers are still on the board in there. But we sit in there and we went, and to be honest, we're, we're not that far from where they finished. Just about spot on. So, and I think we were on what the league would be. Yep. You know, right about five losses for the winner. Would there be multiple teams? We thought so. Go through. So I think everything landed where it is. I think the disappointment is because ETSU got off to such a hot start in the league, and I think that got things going. But I think if you sit back and you think about everything going into it, COVID, all this stuff, different coaches, different players, all the thing factors, and you thought beginning of the year, where would we be? We're about exactly where I thought they would be. It is disappointing because – there's some tight losses. 
But if you go back and look, not last year's 34, but the year before that, some tight losses, games they should have won, they didn't win, and next year they figured it out. Now, am I predicting next year ETSU is going to win 30 games? Yes, you are. Of course not. I'm sure Mike will cut that out where it sounds like I am. But, no, I, but I feel like that's where everything should be. Nobody should be that out of control. And you're going to get a pretty decent draw, which we're not going to talk about, but you do know who you get in Chattanooga in those two games. So let me ask you this. Because of the way the year unfolded, I'd like to go through the SoCon season and talk about a couple of the shutdowns and games that were moved and how that could have affected momentum and get your thoughts on if you think this season would have been different if it were a quote-unquote regular year. We already yep. know that the Bucks didn't play Sanford twice and, and VMI once. But let's just I go mean, through does, and, and, and again, how quickly would that change some people's opinion if they had two – because let's be honest, nobody's – Sanford's not winning another game. And again, we're not talking SoCon tournament, but they're not winning another game. It doesn't matter if they would have played 20 more this year, they weren't going to win another game. So, Western Carolina, December 30th, you come out, you win. I think you and me both, with David Sloan not available that day, suspended. I think you and me were both maybe a bit surprised, not shocked by any means. Death taxes beat Western, right? But I think that coming into that game, it felt like the momentum was going one way, and we both thought highly of Western. Anyway, you get the victory. At UNCG, January 2nd, huge win. 10-point win on the road against what I know I thought all along was going to be the league champion. As it turned out, that's how the chips fell uh, by a single point, as a matter of fact, with Wofford beating Furman on Saturday. We'll talk about that in the men's basketball stock report. Um, Either way, all of us had UNCG top three. Big win. You're supposed to play VMI at home January 6th. That's actually played on January 18th. You're supposed to be at Wofford January 9th. We actually played that on February 1st. You had the Sanford game, January 13th. Ended up not playing that at all. So you come back at Furman, January 16th. Obviously, that game was what it was. Bothwell goes off for a career high. Uh, Ladarius Brewer not available, correct? So he, he doesn't play, and you have maybe the asterisk there. At Western Carolina, January 20th, you grind out that low-scoring 59-48 win. Then you're home to Furman January 23rd, and uh, again, I, I think a resoundingly positive result in that win. And that's when I think, what, at that point are you 5-1? Uh, and one? Um, You're supposed to play Chattanooga January 27th. You actually end up playing that one February 6th. That was the home game. And then you play Citadel January 30th, 112th. And at this point, it was hard to hide the satisfaction, enjoyment, and I think expectation. Because you're six and one, you just put up one twelve against a team that has been this season the Citadel largely competitive with pretty much everyone. Um, it, you thought that that kind of game was going to favor the Bulldogs. You thought there was no possible way that in a score fest ETSU with some of their offensive struggles, certainly in the non-conference. But if you're going to say one team's going to score one hundred twelve that day, to me it's going to be the Citadel. But you get that one, and you're six and one. Now you go on the road to Mercer, February third. And, or sorry, you end up playing the Wofford game because you had that rescheduled game. So February 1st, and that was what I really was confident about when I think Sam Goblin and Morgan Safford did not play that day. And, boy, I thought that was going to be a victory. You get the, It's a loss. Okay, you bounce back at Mercer, 70-64, to 64, the victory. Uh, and you're looking at the sheet here. I only have the rescheduled. But at that point, you go and play, I think that's the 10th, right, at the Citadel? Yes. And at the Citadel, okay, you drop the game. And the momentum's starting to wane a little bit. And you play Wofford on February 13th. And you win by 22. And, and you're still right there, right? Okay, a couple of tough losses. But then Wofford, who is performing above expectation, you hold them to 49 points. Defense is absolutely back. Uh, after that, you go to Chattanooga. Timeout gate. Uh, timeout gate, great way to put it. Uh, home to Mercer, which who apparently beat that day. Greg Gary loves Freedom Hall. Right. He's 2-0. And, and then you end up not playing the Sanford game, end up not playing the VMI game, do play UNCG. Looking at all that, I guess I, and it's, you know, it's obviously an extremely long story, but it's an entire season. I'm trying to get to if the schedule resembled what it did at the beginning of the year. Do you think anything changes? Do you think those stoppages interrupted momentum negatively in any way? It's hard to say. I mean, the easy answer is yes, but that's, you know, because the first stop would have been, was it? It was Sanford, right? They could have had Sanford again. I think ETSU beat Sanford. VMI, Wofford, Sanford. Yeah, and so I think 
that was – And right off a UNCG win. Right, yeah. So I feel like that would have been a win, keep momentum going. I thought really the, the turning point is going to be one you didn't think about, because it, but it was a rescheduled game. Coming off the Mercer win, I felt like driving back from Macon um, the next morning very early, me and Kevin Brown talking about it, and we're like, okay, they, they were able to come off laying the egg at Wofford, if you will, go immediately on the road, look terrible first half, recover, make enough plays, and just like, boom, it kind of felt like momentum. And then really did not show up to play for 30 four minutes of the game against Chattanooga. And the last six, seven minutes, they get on fire. And, you know, again, it's amazing the difference in what a shot will do. But Ty Brewer hits the shot to take the lead. Caldwell, not a clean look, not an easy look, but he hits a shot. And then that seemed to start. Caldwell, just a heck of a shot by a heck of a guy. Stand by that statement. And so then you start to see that suck a little life out. Then the struggles at the Citadel. Then all of a sudden they come back. And here's the weird one because you could see a little bit of the hangover, I think, at the Citadel. Then they come back and went by 22. Correct. Then the just – both teams really struggled, I think, in that contest, Chattanooga. And I don't know if it's because they had just played. I don't know if it's just styles, clash, whatever it is. But really felt like – and, again, it's tough for ETSU to unsee the ball go through the hoop and then be taken away by an ETSU error, not not because of anything else. And then, then I think you can see where life got difficult because it, I think if that shot goes down, honestly, I think they beat Mercer. I, Greensboro's a dogfight because there's a layoff. But they at least, I think, pick up the Mercer win. Again, UNCG, I thought was a heck of a bad. I mean, if you weren't entertained, they were 19 – Lead changes in 16 ties, if I'm not mistaken. It was insane. I mean, 30, what is that, 35 different times a tie or a flop back and forth in a single digit one way or another. 17 ties, 19 leads. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible that that ends up, uh, so 36 times. But still, like that, that was such a great high-level basketball game, if I can quote my good buddy, right? That's exactly what, was, what I was thinking as well. I was hoping you were going to agree, because if you didn't, I, I was going to wonder what I was missing, because it yeah. was just back and forth, blow for blow, no one backing you. Yeah, and opportunities were taken by, by both teams, I, I thought. Um, I thought they adjusted well later in the second half, first half. I think it was a typical let them play. First half, second half, I thought, okay, we'll see, got a little tight. Then as the game got towards the end, it was like, all right, let them settle it, which I was happy with. And, and honestly, I, the, the fouls, if you look at it, the number of fouls, who was in foul trouble, the number of free throws, affecting game things, everything worked out. So nobody should be – and I heard more about the referees in that game, and I wanted to just be – come on. Byron but, Evans was getting crushed by those around Freedom Hall. Poor Byron Evans. I, I did say on air – if you've been in the Southern Conference for 20-some years and you've never leveled up, <laughs> I'm just saying. And I like Byron. Byron's a Birmingham guy. His brother Patrick is a big-time official uh, in the SEC. Matter of fact, I told Shay, I said, hey, did you, why is Patrick there and Byron isn't? Coach Shay, what are you talking about? I said, that's his brother. And he's like, holy cow, I didn't even know that. So Patrick Evans has been a high-level guy for a long time. Whatever reason, Byron isn't. Now, again, I, he got a little whistle-happy, but in the same token, it didn't affect anything with the game, and I certainly don't want to put the attention on that. But he did uh, draw some <laughs> – and, and honestly, he drew some ear from the um, uh, UNCG fans, too, at some point in time. They were asking, why is the one guy blowing the whistle? So he got it from everybody, and that's 26 fine. free throw attempts per side. Right. Again, everything added up there. I think they – at late in because early in the game, the ball where Miller loses out of bounds would have been called a foul. Brewer's shot at the end of the game would have been called a foul, too. And I don't think you can argue, well, Brewer may have got bumped or pushed at the end of the game and then not realize, even though Miller dribbled off his leg, he ran into Ladarius Brewer. And, again, I think both were good no calls. Let's play basketball. Let's figure it out. I don't think, and I'd have to go back and look at Brewer's shot again to see if something was more egregious than what I remembered live. I think he tried to body him 
first, and then he just tried to wall up and, and go as much as he could. I don't think he hit him. You had the team. I don't monitor. think so either. And to me, I just saw live looks. So. To me, it's two great players knowing exactly totally what they can do at that time. And to elevate, and, and, you know, again, I think Miller's got something crazy like a 50-inch vert. It's ridiculous. I mean, just – and the, the, his missed dunk was one of the greatest missed dunks oh, I've ever I, seen. I marked out. That was the loudest I got during the entire broadcast. And then the windmill he did get. Yeah. His reverse layup. Can I just talk about Miller again? My goodness. Now, There's I, I, two layups late. The one from the hip where he's, like, uh, jumping from outside the paint, and then the reverse layup. The outside the paint Come where on. he kind of split a double team and slid through everybody, and then the reverse layup, and he even kind of looked at the bench and kind of mimicked it. He gave it. And I was he like, oh, it was um, – if there was any doubt, and I had already turned in my vote before the game Saturday because I just didn't feel like there's not one result that would have swung my vote one way or another. We got in a pretty good debate well, a lot of fans on Twitter, actually. It's probably the most Twitter action we've had about a subject, and, and maybe we just need to start. We'll call for it start, Yeah, let's, yeah. Start, let's start some controversy on, on the uh, all-conference stuff. And the same token, I felt like we felt vindicated because a lot of people kind of agreed with, with mine and your take over everybody else's, which I enjoy. But there was no doubt who's played here, and if there was any question, you just didn't watch this game. Yeah. And I don't know what in the world UNCG is going to do. Could it be, and I've asked this question several times this year, Addition by subtraction because he took 19 shots. But do you feel like, Mike, if they distributed 19 shots amongst the rest of the team, they're going to hit 13 of them? Uh, and they're definitely not getting 32 points out of it. Uh, do you feel like they're getting seven extra assists? Uh, no. They, could probably, they could probably get four turnovers. I'll give you that one. They had 11 assists on the game, and seven of them were from Isaiah Miller. They couldn't get seven assists from the rest of the team. He was second, as he always is, second on the team in rebounding with seven. He had four steals. Anybody else going to have four steals? I don't know what they're going to do. I, I think if you were a Greensboro fan and you did not, t- and I'm sure they did, but if you did not take the time to appreciate his four years, what would be sad for me, literally tears will come down my face if, if I hear he's coming back next year. I mean, I will, I will literally cry because I think he's that good. Let me ask you this. If he doesn't come back next year, is Wes Miller there next year? I think it would be smart he gets out now. Where's he going? I think he's still holding out hope for that uh, – North Carolina. Yes, <laughs> I mean I think his he's, brother is still playing ball there, isn't he, Walker? Yes, I still I want to know if he's holding out there. Is it? How old is Roy? He's got to be like nine. Oh, he's, right? he's old. But Roy, but Roy's not in danger of retiring this year or next year, unless something changes. He's only seventy. Oh, he's got at least five or six more. That's years. what I'm go, saying. Go take a group of five jobs. He is do not, well and then get the right. Job. He is not going to move the next couple of years. Now, the one thing I will say, he has a nice contract at UNCG. You know, he got that ten-year deal a few years ago, so he's got some. But but what you're about to get at is exactly why you leave because the cupboard is not empty. I'm not saying it's empty. You got Cobalt. You got this Hensley, who's their first rivals top fifty or top one fifty recruit in history. And it's the first time I've saw him play. Uh, he's got a ways to go. Uh, he's a little bit more of a project, but he's certainly got the talent. Uh, you like Caleb Hunter, right? I mean, there are certainly some good players, but Isaiah Miller, everybody knows, is that team. You're in danger if you're Wes Miller if you don't leave now of really hurting your stock. I, I mean, I like Keyshawn Langley, too. I, other than that, I mean, let's say – and, again, I, you never know recruits, you never know transfers, never know anything else. It, I'm just not seeing it. I mean, he had such a special group. If you look over the last three or four years, and you throw um, Demetrius Troy in there, you throw James Dickey in there, you throw Jordan Kuyper in there. Marvin Smith certainly was a thorn in ETSU's side and on and off the floor with scuffles. And everything else, I know I'm missing one more guy too, but they were uh, – Francis Alonzo? Uh, 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 oh, my gosh. Yes, how in the world Pretty did I forget him? R.J. White? I mean, uh, Baldwin. That's uh, and that's funny. I was thinking of Baldwin. <laughs> who wasn't even, who wasn't even close? Who wasn't even close? So if you look at the last four years, I mean, they've had a lot. And again, I'm not. not I, I think UNCD could be middle of the pack. I just don't think without Miller and somebody coming up, it's going to be tough for them to be in the top three next year. That's all I'm saying. And that's five years in a row now that they've finished in the top three. Yeah, it's been an outstanding run. I uh, I think it's there. Very disappointing. I got more to say, but. I gotta save it for Wednesday. Do you agree with me that this game and the Wofford Furman game just set up a tremendous tournament? Because to me, it's any of the certainly top four of the five, and you can throw Chattanooga in there if you like. I know they finished above ETSU. They beat ETSU twice. Um, I'll just say this: I could see eight teams 
legitimately could win the tournament. Okay. Boom. So there, there's, there's your answer. I mean, to the it's going to be a phenomenal tournament. To I can't can. wait to break down on Wednesday. Okay. Let's take a break. Let's talk about because I'm excited. Let's talk about ETSU women's basketball. That was a highly entertaining game. Let's talk about that after this timeout. Stand and sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Now, Ron Bud, over the last 70 years, Johnson City Paddleboard has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Brightridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Brightridge, new name, renewed promise. Sandos and the sidekick back. A little mellow tuner. I like it. Let's talk ETSU women's basketball and what was a spectacular effort and game and great storylines to begin with. And I was wondering early before we got going, how was Mercer going to approach the game? Agreed. Were they going to, you know, I don't want to say, I never want to say try not to win. Were they going to play people their normal minutes? Were they going to do things? I think I got my answer. That they were trying to, I think in the third quarter, because of foul trouble, uh, a couple ladies said, including Titus, who ended up fouling out, Shannon Titus. But I, they, they were playing to win at the, the whole game. I mean, they were certainly trying to get tournament ready, which makes sense, right? Why would, you know, you, there's different philosophies. Susan Gardner doesn't strike me as somebody that's going to say, you know what, you guys, ladies, you, you just get 20 minutes and then you take it off and we'll take it from here. That, she does not, and if nothing else, if nobody saw the timeout she took, and the berating of a few players, uh, in which we kind of have a shot where they zoomed in and you could lip read, and I thought, boy, we probably don't need to show that shot again because she was she was fiery. And she is not the all-the-time fiery, but, man, when she kicks it up a gear, it is insane. But I thought this first storyline I want to talk about was Kelly Post, and I think you have to start there. She gets the start. It's her second start. She's been unbelievable as a starter. Absolutely. Gets the start. Scores eight points, first five, scores eight, finishes with ten. Um, I saw on Twitter a bit of an emotional post where she said, um, Makai Daldale Wright just went over to her and said, you know, your dad would be proud of you right now. She lost her dad a few years ago. And, I mean, if I didn't bring kind of a tear to your eye on top of seeing what it was. So the storyline of her coming out, hitting the first three, getting fouled, hitting a couple free throws, hitting another three, and then getting fouled later and getting to the ten-point mark before halftime. I thought, sort of set the tone. And I think having the emotion of her teammates pulling for her and getting that going, I think, helped energize everything. Your thoughts? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, she scores the first five. She all of a sudden is the best sharpshooter that ETSU has, right? And you mentioned it specifically in starts. I mean, she had, what, seven points, four assists, four Furman. steals, three yeah. rebounds against Furman. That was her other start, first Division One start. And then now – on a day where her mom is in the crowd, uh, was able to make the trip from Fort Bragg to be able to see her in Johnson City on uh, her only Division One senior day that she'll have. You know, you had the Division Two senior day at Mount Olive. I, I personally think, and with her story, and it's a story I think we're going to delay a little bit coming out till after the season, uh, but once you read her kind of journey through basketball, you'll know that it's that much bigger and more important to her than it is a Division One senior day, and not because of the aesthetics of it and not because she cares about that kind of stuff, but because of a comment and promise that she made to her father. So, um, yeah, very emotional, very awesome to see her step up yet again because it seems like that in the moments where she is given the opportunity and can get in a rhythm and can get in a flow – that she has that ability still, you know, after being someone that was touted as a possible Power 5 player out of high school, ended up going to Campbell then, Mount Olive now at ETSU, um, you see why. You know, you see the talent there, and you see the ability, and you see, obviously, the hustle and the hard work is always going to be there, but the results, and it's great to see the results for her. And I really do think that, you know, one of the things I'd like to talk about with this game, and there are a ton of storylines, I'll let you lead on that, but uh, certainly – playing off of Kelly Post and the rhythm that we talked about, you know, everybody played double-digit minutes. You know, there's now 12 players left in this roster, one unavailable and Courtney Moore. And so all 11, 11 minutes or more, and everybody scored. 
and it seemed like there was a much better sense of togetherness, a much better sense of connectedness on the floor, connectivity, whatever you want to say, on obviously the offensive end because the Bucks hadn't scored more than 58 points in regulation in conference play, and they put up 73 against Mercer. And it seemed like everybody was on the same page for maybe the first time all season, certainly the first time since maybe the Appalachian State game. Um, trying to think back even further, but it's been very few and far between. And I don't think you can just write that off as, oh, you know, well, it's an emotional day. Kelly Post, let's do it for her. I think that Kelly's performance had something to do with that. But when it comes down to it, your teammates can only let's do it for her in such a way that it makes sense that that's the reason. When you're putting up 15 more points than any other game in regulation during league play, there's something else there. And I think that Coach Zell kind of taking a little bit more of a hands-off approach in this game and kind of letting things just – and she talked about it pregame with me. She said, you know, the temptation, yeah, it's definitely to just let the girls play a little bit more. Three games in five days, you know where you're going to be seated. It's going to be in that eight spot. You're going to play Sanford. There's not a whole lot else to be decided. Let's go and let them do a little bit more on their own, see what they can do. And I thought it was with resoundingly positive results. I. I thought it was incredible the energy that everyone had. And, again, I'm not sure start of the game, Kelly Post, whatever it was, scoring early. You know, again, ETSU had not been particularly great in first and third quarters, but, you know, threw a lot of points on the board. The game just looks easier. One of my favorite stats, you know, Mike, inside the charge circle, ETSU was 11 of 15, Mm. 73%. And – Mercer, not bad, 9 of 17, 53, but you're talking about, you know, that sort of set the tone. They were going to the rim. They were making plays happen. The big storyline we kept talking about before the game was the key was obviously the third quarter, and I tied it into a Mercer stat. They were 11-0 and when leading going into the fourth quarter. Ah, I like that. So we had talked about that pregame, and it just happened sometimes, right? You had a storyline, right? And we're like, okay, Bruce said – He's got to be the third quarter for the ladies. Because, and then I piggybacked that and said, because obviously they're 11-0 in the fourth. It's a pretty good number, right? Bang. And then all of a sudden it's a nine, what, nine-point lead going into the fourth 11. quarter. 11-point lead going into the fourth quarter. And then ETSU manages to grab a lead by the scoring sensation of a couple back-to-back buckets, right, by Monty Williams. And ETSU leads for the first time at 70-69. Um, to 69. That was their first lead since 1916. They erased 11 points with two minutes and 18 seconds to go. And then it just got a little frantic from there. I mean, people were, again, just like the men's, people were hitting shots. People were getting good looks. ETSU has the ball down three with 15 seconds to go. And then I can't say enough about Shannon Titus. First of all, I don't know that I've seen someone with the speed with the ball in her hands as she outran people so much that she actually made a back pass to a teammate for a layup um, in open play. And her stat line was incredible, and she was in foul trouble most of the game. But being the type of player and the best defender, I think she's the most active um, Division One player with blocks and steals. She's uh, – yeah, that's right. So she, she leads in blocks and steals. She has the most of any active player in Division One basketball. Six foot, can guard all five positions. She ends up getting the biggest – block of the game by getting the block on hooks Gets to seal the deal. The two biggest defensive plays of the game on back-to-back possessions rips it away from Ja'Kai oh, Davis yeah, in the correct. pose. Yeah. So look, just look at the last, what, uh, 20 seconds? So you've got the turnover by Davis, and that may have been, I guess it may have been Doherty. I thought it was Titus that, uh, that ripped it away. They have it as Doherty here. But either way, Titus is down there too. And so you've got that steal from Davis. Then Titus is fouled. Which, by the way, she got yelled at. Because Titus is the worst free throw shooter on the floor and went past the ball, and Susie Gardner wore her out, and then she hit two free throws. So maybe Titus knows what she's doing. So she makes the two, and then you've got the Carly Hooks. Boy, it ended up being a, a rough last possession for the Bucks because you have to settle for about a 30-footer from Carly Hooks. And, I mean, Shannon Titus, there's so many similarities here for me between Isaiah Miller, Shannon Titus, just tremendous defenders, stepped up at the end of their games, and uh, like you said, I mean, the fact that, you know, you got a steal, you got a block, um, and look at the stat line. I mean, 18-5, five steals, along with those five rebounds, three assists, 
and two blocks. I don't think Shannon Tice is going to win player of the year. On the women's basketball side, I think it's going to be Andrea Kornoyer because she averaged like 21 points a game in conference play. Like Stanford, I think, eight. Relative surprise this year, as is Mercer. I mean, heck, they were seventh last year, right? They were seventh in the league, and they have made that Stay in the course. And, yeah, Jada Lewis came in, and she's been a big difference maker. But Titus has been the rock, you know, in the preseason player of the year. And 7 of 11 from the floor, uh, there's just so many similarities there. And then you even look at the team side of it, Jay. And I think in the men's game, the one difference you could point to is turnovers. UNCG turned it over nine times. UTSU turned it over 15. And UNCG was opportunistic with those opportunities. And then what did Mercer turn it over nine times? ETSU turned it over 21 times. Those 21 points, or I should say 21 turnovers on the ETSU side turned into 29 Mercer points. So there's so many similarities between the final sequences, final, if you want to include overtime on that for the men's side, and then what made the difference in the game. Um, I thought the sustained effort was just phenomenal on the offensive side, though, for ETSU, and um, was really happy for Kelly Post, as I was for the men's basketball seniors, too. I think I saw that they went... 10 of 19 combined with 34 points, 15 rebounds, and six assists. Of course, Vani had a big day with those 13 points on, I think it was like four shots before he ended up fouling out. And he's 17 of his last 22 from the floor. And Kelly Post, we talked about on the women's side, is just doing phenomenal things when she starts. But, you know, those top four, um, and I was, of course, kind of especially out loud on the radio call rooting for Amori and Neil Tyser and Jan Tice and Jaron Doherty to foul out because they were all right there in the third and fourth quarter, and Neil Tyser ends up fouling out. Titus ends up with four. Doherty ends up with four. But those four combined for 69 of the 76 points. You know, that's just a talented group. And so Mercer, I think, is someone that can go and win the tournament, no doubt. They're going to be the number two seed. I think Sanford's a little bit more of a, um, I think, team rather than just a bunch of individuals. But there's a lot of positives, uh, certainly from um, – energy. I knew you didn't get to be in the building, but there's a certain energy. Um, you may have even been able to feel it, you know, in Wharf Pickle across the way when you were calling the game, but uh, it, it was electric. It was what women's basketball, I think, has been over the years in Johnson City, and that was back for senior day, and even remember last year, what, it come from behind victories for the Bucks on senior day against Mercer. They erased a 13-point deficit in the fourth quarter and almost did the exact same thing here, unfortunately, just falling short. It, it, kind, of, it kind of felt like you had a team's number. Yeah, I mean, it really did. As it, as it kept going in the fourth quarter, it was like, man, this is just, for whatever reason, you know, the matchup or whatever, you see it all the time in sports, this is just a, a good matchup for ETSU. And if they could get another shot at Mercer, feel pretty good about it. Right, now, they wouldn't get a shot unless they got the championship game, but if they played a second game, I feel pretty good about ETSU being able to handle Mercer. And it's just, again, I think sometimes matchups just play into it, styles, philosophies, all that good fun stuff. And it's just a good matchup for there. And I can point to ETSU women's basketball matchups that aren't good in in league play. But the Mercer one is good. And if you watched women's basketball, men's basketball, other than the result of not winning, those were two highly entertaining, drama-filled, back-and-forth basketball. And even though Mercer was kind of stiff-arming ETSU there, you know, late second, third quarter once it got to the fourth etsu started landing some body blows but highly entertaining basketball games with exciting finishes it just didn't go etsu's way stat on Jaka- uh, shania jackson i was about to say Jaka- Dave. shania jackson had 12 points in the opener against chattanooga game one of the season then had 12 points between then and saturday and then had 12 points on saturday she likes playing her hometown school give or take absolutely crushes them yeah. I mean, in her career, like, per minute, she's scoring, like, uh, I think it's like a point every minute and a half or something. And she has, like, if you average it out per game, like, 16 or 17 points per contest and a ton of rebounds and everything. But it, it was good to see her back. And, you know, when you get down in the dumps and start losing the way that ETSU has, and, you know, they finished the season 1-10 in the SoCon and 3-15 and overall, you don't see a lot of smiles out of the court. Just because things are going the way they're going. And the Bucks haven't been in a lot of games lately. They've lost four of their last five by double digits. But when the ball goes in, right, and you can be in games and you still won't smile if it's like a 50-47 game, right? Like, there's just something about the offensive end, seeing the ball go through the hoop, because it's the ultimate goal, right? And you never feel better than when you make a shot in basketball. And when the offense gets rolling, there are smiles all around. And I saw Shania Jackson for the first time in quite some time. And I'm at... Pretty much all the games, right? Like, I don't think I'm missing it. She was backpedaling down the court, 
had a huge smile on her face after I think it was a mid-range jump shot. Gave a little wink over to the bench, and it's those little things that are fun for me in these type of seasons because you have to grasp onto the little things, right? Because it's been a tough year. I mean, there's no question about that. It was nice to see that big smile back from Shania because um, she obviously has the talent. We know that has shown it here and there this year. It was a great time to have it happen because now you got the SoCon tournament ahead. Again, something that we'll talk about on Wednesday. But if she can be what she has been during league seasons at times in her career, then that 1-8 game isn't going to be a cakewalk for Sam. Just hope the energy carries over. Yes. I mean, <clears throat> getting what, three players double figures. you got Shania Jackson. got a huge double-double from Ja'Kai Davis again. Kelly Post 10. Hook's knocking on the door nine, and her, her last five, six games been an incredible uh, run as well. And, and finding sort of her groove, I know she struggled a little bit uh, shooting the basketball, but she had a five rebounds and three assists in that one. I think ETSU getting the line 30 times was encouraging. Of course, they hit 22 of them. They've been a pretty good free-throw shooting team, so just need to get there. But points off turnovers was just massive in this one to, to overcome because they were almost all live balls and almost all layups, it felt like. And it's what Mercer does. In every turnover category, they're top 50 in the country. Assist to turnover, turnover margin, turnovers forced, and not turning over the ball, and you saw that play out in the box score. Yeah, and two huge steals late in the game. And the scouting report on Ja'Kai Davis because they had a couple steals on Ja'Kai where she wants to turn and spin and yes. the backside. I mean, you talk about just great scouting. They figured out that move, and they were able to rip it away a couple times. And then, you know, freshman she'll learn she played well but i think she'll she'll learn she needs to vary some moves and some things because they had that literally scouted and were able to just walk in there and rip it away other than that she played phenomenal again i thought she was incredible third double double in the last five or six can't remember but yeah she's i mean she's three three blocks player. and i and i think all but one she kept in play and was able to get it for her team again and i know bruce talks about this a lot i'm sure you've heard it but he blocks she blocks with the left hand because they're right-handed, so it's right. He goes into, but she does a she does a great job of keeping it in play. A lot of people like slapping the ball, spiking it, something, you know, more for the ooh and the ah of the crowd than the practicality of keeping it. But Jakai Davis has a knack, and that, you know, this is something that I think it's hard to teach. People either know how to do that or they don't. I think you can work on certain drills, but when it comes down to it in live fire, I think you either know what know how to do it. Or you don't, and I think Ja'Kai Davis has a very special gift in that regard, and her freshman year was a pleasure to watch. I can't wait to see her grow moving forward. Stock report, Southern Conference, coming up. Buccaneer Sports Network. Enjoy the new year with more games, more chances to win, and even more fun from the Tennessee Lottery. And you can play any way you like. Play quick and win big with instant games. Or try drawing-style games that pack a big money punch. So don't drop the ball. Make a resolution to put a little more cash and a whole lot of fun in your pocket today with the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. to keep this segment for SoCon football later. Ooh, that's a good idea. Because, boy, there was some results there this week. How about... What a lot of stock down in the football side, so it would seem. I, I, I just want to give you the standings in football real quick. I think, right, the, there's three undefeated teams. And the ironic part is they're all 1-0. Because Chattanooga and VMI had their game canceled. And then an extra week to prepare for Wofford and for Furman led to victories. ETSU obviously won game one and didn't play. Everybody else is either 1-1, 0-1, or 0-2. Already the top of the standings, ETSU v. my Chattanooga. What did you have as the stat? Like 9 of 11 ranked teams or something? 11 top 25 (laughs) teams lost. Now, two of those games, they were going to be a loser because they were matchups of top 25. So you're going to have two regardless. So literally. Nine other top 25 teams got beat. North Dakota State got throttled. It was like 38-14. Throttled. Yeah. It is – spring football is throwing a monkey wrench in everything. It's a bit different, isn't it? Yeah. It, it is. There, there's definitely some 
people that are uh, opting out. There's definitely some people that have already tried to transfer. There's some people who are just, yeah, I don't know what they're doing. It just hadn't worked out. But I, do you think that everyone's, and you can take it as seriously as, I mean, you can say it, right? Like, oh, yeah, of course we're taking it seriously. Are you feeling it? You know, like are some of these teams, are their rosters really bought into the spring? I, I'll just be quite honest. I, I wouldn't be. It's so, so different, and this is why I was probably a terrible athlete, right? Never amounted or accomplished anything. But it's so, so different this time of year. You're about to come into, you know, the warmer weather. It's going to be nice out. And for football players there, you see, yeah, you got spring football, but uh, you're going through a lot of the motions. You don't have to be in your game day mindset. So I wonder how much that may be affecting teams. I mean, got to be something. I mean, we know Sanford doesn't like the cold. They've proven that over time. And so that's a team that generally doesn't. And now they made the quarterback change, which we debated all last week about why we didn't see Welsh. And then he, Liam Welsh played the whole game. Yeah, we didn't see Oledoka. I don't, I don't get that. Either. Again, maybe maybe Friday we can do just a short football segment or something. I, I don't know. Or maybe we'll just wait the whole next week. Well, I, I'm not sure. For people that – well, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a whole different ballgame uh, next week. Uh, for people that did not listen to the first segment, just love the stock report, are SoCon fans rather than ETSU fans, let's just go over that player of the year race quick. So 32, 7, 7, done, and done 4 deal. for if, Isaiah If he doesn't Ford get it, I'll be very shocked. Saturday. Uh, let's just go over some of the other. Storm Murphy, just 15 points on 5 of 12 from the floor Saturday. Malachi Smith had 22-9 and nine against Mercer on Wednesday, but it was a loss to the Bears. Hayden Brown, 18.7 rebounds against Furman on Wednesday, but just 63 points for the Bulldogs in the loss. Greg Parham only ends up playing 14 league games. You wonder if that doesn't play into voters' minds in some way. And ETSU loses six of their last eight, so that probably spells curtains for Ladarius. Seems to me it's a runaway in Isaiah Miller. Again, I, I think it would be a massive upset if he's not your player of the year. And if you had any doubts and you held your vote to see what happened Saturday, that should have sealed the deal. I was one of those that it wouldn't matter to me. He was my player of the year. I already turned in my ballot before Saturday's games. And not any one person's result would have swung my opinion of how I voted. By the way, that banked in three for Isaiah Miller in overtime. Eighth made three the entire year. If that doesn't go in, and this was Bruce Trambarger's point as we wrapped up our broadcast, on ESPN Plus, do you think that things end up different? Was that the big momentum changer? Or once Ladarius Brewer made that three, was it regardless of the outcome on the other end that ETSC was going to go into an offensive lull and I think it was 16 of the next 18 for UNCG? No, I, I think that certainly started the momentum. The backbreaker, I think, was you just saw that three go in. So you're already – you play 29 great seconds. Of defense, he gets the shot off, barely beat the horns. You could actually say he probably played thirty seconds of great defense. It banks in, nothing you can do about it. Then you get a couple layups, miss, and then bang, they hit another three. And th- but I think that started the trajectory of the downward once that one went in, because once the second one went in, then you could feel it at that point. I don't know if it was truly the dagger, but it certainly got the ball rolling in the wrong way. If he wouldn't have got that, Bucks get the ball back, up three, momentum. You know, again, I don't know if I can sit here and swear each issue would win the game, but I think how the game ended would have played out way differently. Who had the best performance of the week, in your opinion? Was it Isaiah Miller, or am I about to burst your bubble by going back to Wednesday in the Chattanooga Mercer game? Did you notice? Because it's not someone you'd think of. I did not notice. Kamar Robertson went 12 of 12 from the floor for 28 points. <laughs> Kamar wow. Robertson. That has to bench. be a school record. 12-12, 28 points. For 10 or more shots, that has to be a record. Off day for Ross Cummings. Goes 5 of 15, 14 points. Natalie Alvarez only took six shots. Glisson only took seven. Leon Ayers, 2 of 4. You know, Ayers is usually their guy that off the bench is going to put up the big numbers. The Juco All-American transfer. 35 minutes, 12 shots, 2 for 2 from 3. Did miss a free throw, so it's not a completely perfect day. But 28 points for Kamar Robertson and... Uh, also three steals of the six that Mercer had. That was an overtime result, 13-9. to Mercer outscores the mocks once they were in the extra session. And Mercer gets that win. But then we're talking about stock. And ring the bell heavy on this one because they go on the road to Western Carolina and lose by 24 to the Catamounts, whose stock is soaring going into the SoCon tournament. I just want to talk about Robson real quick because I had to look it up. It is – uh, school record. It is also an arena record. It's the 10th time a Southern Conference player with a minimum of 10 makes or more has been perfect. Uh, 
Furman's Ross Hunt uh, topped the charts 14 to 14 today against Appalachian State. And he ties a Chattanooga guy I used to love to hate, Ashley Champion, who was also 12 of 12, last one to go 12 of 12. And the Bucks uh, actually defeated Ashley Champion twice back in the 0203-0304 championship games. I just want to rub it in there. Chattanooga's face at least one point going into the Sun Conference sure. tournament. But, yes, the – and I called, and I don't want to sit here and tell you, you know, Mike, I knew they were going to win by, you know, almost a quarter. But, holy cow, 24 – they were up 30 at one point. I, I, Western got a big win at UNCG. Have they figured it out? We'll talk about that uh, on Wednesday. <laughs> 24 points. I think their stock right now is right. pretty much fire. Fire. Uh Noah Gurley sure did make SoCon John look good, didn't he? 29 points, 4 of 8 from 3, and 7 rebounds as well. But Morgan Safford, game winner with 6 seconds left after Gurley hit a 3 with 26 seconds to go to put Furman up by 1. And the only one of the top 4 not to split. You, you know where my heart was kind of on this. I mean, my heart was going to be for ETSU, sweeping UNCG, of course. But my head was saying that because this year has been so weird, we're going to have a split amongst all of the top four. Everybody's going to go one and one against each other, and it's a coin toss going into the tournament. I still think it's a coin toss going into the tournament, but we're denied of everybody going one and one by one point because Wofford, with the victory, does sweep Furman. I'm not sure there's stock up or down aggressively on either side, but Gurley, uh, Sokan John, I hope the thank you card is in the mail because right when Oh, I'm sure he talked to him. Oh, I'm sure he had a pregame chat with Gurley. Pick it up. Got to have my back here. I'm getting destroyed. Yes, uh, everyone does not uh, apparently like you as a first teamer, (laughs) just a second teamer, and I need you to defend that. I saw Malachi Smith uh, like a couple of the tweets that were praising uh, Malachi on Twitter, so that was nice. Uh, I'm sure that Gurley, yes, if Sokan John got his ear went back, looked, and it seemed to work if motivation uh, was those tweets because uh, he was absolutely excellent. I, I don't think we talked about player of the year a second ago. I don't think he enters any type of player of the year conversation just with that one game, uh, especially considering it did end up being a loss. But you know, he kind of flew in the face of your theory about Bothwell, at least in that game, uh, as Bothwell had an off night, and he can be a little bit more streaky uh, while Gurley tends to be least a little bit more consistent but the Furman Wofford result is there anything that you pull out of that in terms of an advantage to the postseason no because that's you know that's what Wofford does to Furman at home so it felt like something that's usual so I don't think there needs to be an overreact it was you know if Wofford won by 25 sure you know, if they'd have pulled a western on Mercer score then yes I'd go Ooh, you know let's put the sirens up and everything else but no I, I don't think that's going to affect Furman or Wofford going into, and it sets up a potential great semifinal game between those two teams. It's a although I'm going to say one of them won't make the semifinals, but it will talk uh, about that Wednesday. Uh, it's a short. I like teasing, baby. It's a short stock report today because we're going to be previewing the entire teasing. Southern Conference tournament on Wednesday, both on the men's and women's side. But let's just look at the final standings and anything that may stand out to you versus what you thought. Two months ago, to me, uh, I, I think it's Wofford. You know, I naysayed the entire way, and they end up. Um, who knows what would have happened if they played their final game? Um, they, they could have ended up tying, uh, and then it would have gone to tiebreakers for the league title because Wofford and UNCG split. But, but they end up in second. Um, and quite honestly, if that Ladarius Brewer three goes in, Wofford is the league champion because UNCG would have lost. UNCG would have slid to the two, and Furman would be the three. Um, Chattanooga, I thought, again, you and me have talked about Lamont Paris and Dan Earl. Those are the other two teams um, as Coach of the Year candidates, Chattanooga and BMI, that I think were the big surprises and the big disappointment for me. Obviously, Western Carolina, but Mercer as well. Uh, they, they just couldn't put it together and get the consistency like we saw. Great win against Chattanooga at home in overtime. Get blown out three days later on the road against a Western Carolina team that won just four games in the conference. Well, since it's stock up, stock down, there's two up, two down, and yeah. I think Chattanooga and VMI were clearly up from where people thought they would be, and I think VMI probably could have racked up a couple more wins if they would have got some of those games in. And I think clearly Stockdown has to be Mercer in the play-in, 7-10, and West Carolina. Shocking in the play-in. I would never, ever in a million years have thought that that roster was headed for the play-in. Yeah, totally agree. I, I think probably a bigger shock. Man, that's tough. Uh, yeah, I thought Mercer could have competed. I don't you had them, I'm going to out you, you had them in our Kevin Brown, myself, and you, our discussions, you had them as league champion at 13. I, again, I had them in a four-way tie. But correct, yes. correct. But, but yes, I, I did have them in a four-way tie uh, with UNCG, Wofford, Furman, in fairness, and I had ETSU as the five seed if we're going to do the whole thing. 
So I did not have Chad in there. Clearly, I had Mercer there. I had VMI, I think, around seven or eight, and they're going to be in the six, which is huge because they don't have to play the night before. And, again, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do um, because they had all that time off. And I, I don't – I would never have had Western at nine. I just there, – there's no scenario I would have had them at nine. But a team that is hotter right now going into the tournament. After Chattanooga there's lost only, to Mercer, it would have been Chattanooga for me if they lost to Mercer on the road. Wofford's won three in a row. Uh, Western's won two. That's it. Yeah. But that's it. That's it. So – there you go. That's what I got. That's what I got, too. All right. Uh, bowl, we, we got? Recap? Okay. Recap. We had a good week. We need a brag. Hey, huge one. The Tampa brag. Bay 20 minutes have reportedly agreed to terms of free agent wide receiver Antonio Brown. The Warriors' Clay Thompson is out for the season again. This time it's a torn Achilles. Houston loses 27-17 to an 0-5. They're going to win the national championship in basketball? Lifeless organization. Yes. Football may be lifeless. They will not win an answer championship. Don't do it to Steve Orton. The conference canceled fall sports on Thursday with the hope that those athletic teams can resume in the spring. The SoCon season is done. Done. Some teams wish it still was. Jay told me the turkey wasn't enough for Thanksgiving. He went and got two stumps and a brownie to watch it down. Just disgusting. Woo! Bold prediction. How many subs did you eat this weekend? Uh, it wasn't subs. Now, we'll say this. First time ever in the history of me going to Pals in between games. You like the story. First time you've ever gone to Pals? No, no, no. Hold on. First time this has ever happened. First time this has ever happened at Pals. The guy in front of me when he's about to get his order, gets out of line, just takes off. Oh, did you get the double? I did. Oh, I love it. I got his bag of food for free. Wow. And uh, there were – so not only did I get the the big pal and a hot dog, but I got his two junior pals and his two things of fries. Just disgusting. Did I destroy them all? Yes, you did. Sure I did. (laughs) Absolutely you did. Okay. Uh, Bold predictions. Boy, I'm not sure we've each ever gotten two right in the same week. I came in with nine and a half. Woo! Wow. Yellow. Oh, boy. Puberty. (laughs) One day I will adjust to this new phase of life I'm entering. Nine and a half points for me, seven and a half points for you coming in. And I think we're starting to cook a little bit, starting to heat up. And all of a sudden, here we go, baby. Two for each. You had Western Carolina winning, and that may have been an understatement even. 24 points. And they were almost five-point underdogs at home. And they, so they swung that. Yeah, they swung about 30 just about. You had Sanford football winning by four scores or more. And by scores, I mean touchdowns. We couldn't have gotten field goals there. Four touchdowns or more. What happened? And they got a touchdown with a couple minutes left to make it 28, baby. You always get the close one. It's unbelievable. Uh, 14 or more ETSU men's basketball over UNCG. That, unfortunately, that did not go. So you go two of three, though. ETSU, for me, I had David Sloan, career high in points. He had a good day. He wasn't very involved in the offense in terms of uh, shooting the basketball. So he doesn't get there. But Kelly Post, double digits. And I texted you with, I think, maybe three or four minutes left in the first quarter. And she was on eight, I think. And you were over on the TV side. I was on the radio side. And I said, the way my luck has been going in bold predictions, she will not score the rest of the day. Thankfully, she had a couple free throws. Right before halftime to get to 10. Kelly Post, Brilliant my hero time. on this day. My hero. I had probably the most creative bold prediction of the weekend. South Carolina State and Idaho were the last two winless teams in Division One college basketball. Baylor and Gonzaga were the last two undefeated teams in college basketball. I said at least one on the winless side and one on the undefeated side would, respectively, win and lose. Baylor loses... To Kansas, that was the easy one, right? I think I even said before I made the bold prediction, yeah, this is probably going to happen, so I had to throw in one of the winless teams winning. They both win. South Carolina State and Idaho off the schneid. Nobody in all of Division One basketball ends the season with zero wins during the regular season, at least, in the W column. Idaho, South Carolina State, welcome to the club, and thank you for a second correct bold prediction on this beautiful weekend that it was. That was fun when we went. We don't do it a lot. Yeah, it's a good time. Wasn't so. even mad. I, you had won the first, then I got the second two, and then you sent me the message. And of course, you're texting me live updates. Of course, yeah, I, I am. Uh, Why would I? Yeah. So, I hey, men's soccer hating my life. Sanford football. Minute of a triple header. In fairness, Sanford football 
tried to ruin it because twice they went for it on fourth inside uh, the 20 instead of kicking field goals and didn't get it. Got no points. But we're able to get one late as I needed. But before. you get all the breaks. That's the thing. If you didn't get breaks in both Mike Gallagher, you, you like make your own points, breaks. You make your own breaks in this say world. That, don't they? Yeah. That's what it is. You make your own breaks. All right. Wednesday, special tournament extravaganza. Is that what call blowout. It? Spectacular. Any other big words? Gigantic. Ridiculously huge-tastic. I don't know. Huge-tastic? Like is that a thing? Should be. Horror awesome. Wednesday. Horrible and awesome. Santa Psychic. Horror awesome. Back in this road network. Go Bucks.